Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our theme of the resurrection found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Our previous passage dealt with the consequences of denying the doctrine of bodily resurrection. Now we come to the certainty of resurrection. Eschatology is the fancy word for the doctrine of last things or Bible prophecy. The special wrinkle of eschatology in this passage is what you could call personal eschatology rather than overall plan for the ages. In other words, what is going to happen to you, not what is going to happen to the whole world. Please listen carefully as Pastor Harris delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, The Resurrection Plan. Now, our most recent visit to 1 Corinthians was dealing with the consequences of denying the bodily resurrection of people in general and of Jesus in particular. This entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 verses long, is all about resurrection. Tonight we come to the certainty of resurrection. Verses 20 through 28 uh, elaborates from the fact of Christ's resurrection to the resurrection of all believers and then to the broad outline of God's plan for the rest of time and eternity. When we look at that big, long-range view of what is going to happen, we call that eschatology. That's the fancy word for the doctrine of last things or Bible prophecy. We've dealt with it many times at Heritage Bible Church, including last year, uh, finishing up the book of Revelation. The special wrinkle of eschatology or the subcategory of eschatology in this passage is what you might call personal eschatology. What's going to happen to you personally as opposed to what's going to happen in the broad, grand scheme of the timeline of human history? What's going to happen to you? So as we look at the resurrection plan, Christ's resurrection is three things to us. It is the pledge of your resurrection, it is the proof of your resurrection, and it is part of the plan of your Redeemer. And that's our outline for tonight. I don't think we're going to be here a a long, long time. We're going to handle this passage and be ready for the next one. First, Christ's resurrection is the pledge of your resurrection. That's in verse 20. It says, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. Remember, this is right after he'd said, some people are saying there is no resurrection. Well, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. Now, notice that verse begins with the word, but. That's the little Greek conjunction that they have more of them than we do. And this one is not just like our word, but, and it's not just like our word, and it's kind of a hybrid between them. 
It connects like the word and, but it shows a contrast like the word but. So um, it's connected to what was before this, but there's also a distinction. The connection is we're still on the subject of resurrection. The distinction is that this answers why Christians are not to be pitied, which is where we left off last time. You're not, if, if Christ wasn't raised, we're to be pitied, but now He has been raised from the dead. The proofs of the resurrection and the evidence for the resurrection, that's already been mentioned. And here again, Paul puts this in that, that perfect tense, meaning He has been raised from the dead, the action is completely finished, and the results remain permanently in force. So Jesus rose, and He's permanently alive. Now, interesting description here. He's called the first fruits. Now, if you've been reading in Leviticus lately, you know that that term originally comes from Leviticus 23. The first fruits in the offering system within the law of Moses, that was the first sheaf from the harvest. It would be waved before the Lord as a thanksgiving offering when the first part of the harvest came in, and it was demonstrating faith that you understood God would provide for you, and the rest of the harvest would come in after the first fruits. So it was like a a, a way of consecrating the entire harvest. At the end of the harvest, that would follow up with the kinds of things that we think of in Thanksgiving, um, offerings and celebrations that the harvest was completed. Now, when it says that Christ has been raised as the first fruits, that implies later fruits are coming, later fruit in the form of resurrection. But we need to make sure we understand what that means. Now, it does not mean that Jesus was the first one ever to rise from the dead. That happened in the Old Testament, and Jesus Himself raised a few people. But all those died again, as far as we know. That was not a permanent resurrection. But Christ's resurrection was a resurrection to life which knows no death. In that sense, He's the forerunner of all believers, and He is the first fruits of the ultimate resurrection of which He spoke in John 5. Remember, we read John 5, 28 and 29 a couple of times on Sunday. All who are in the graves will hear the voice of the Son of God, and they will all come forth, believer and unbeliever. But it says, since He is the first fruits of those who are asleep, now the word asleep, that's the metaphor for the death of a Christian. It's used several times in this chapter. It's used several other times in the, in the New Testament. Christ's resurrection is the pledge and the proof or the guarantee, if you will, of the resurrection to come of all believers. So, asleep means inactive. Your, your body is not moving around. That's the, the body is dead, and then the body will be raised and joined again to your spirit, and you will have a permanent resurrection uh, body, a body suited for the resurrection, which, by the way, that type of body is what comes next in this chapter after our text for tonight. 
So Christ's resurrection is the pledge of your resurrection. And then secondly, the proof of your resurrection. Look at verses 21 and 22. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Now, those two sentences summarize what is taught throughout the Bible. The most thorough description of that is over in Romans. And I want to take a little side trip there to Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. By a man came death, by a man also came resurrection from the dead. So let's look at that in Romans 5, starting in verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Now, we could go a long time on that, but let me just put it together in the, the, the summary fashion of it. The purpose of the law of Moses was to define and to expose sin. Like Galatians says, the law was our tutor to lead us to Christ. The law showed us sin. All of those sacrifices for all of those sinful things just reinforced, you're a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. All of those sin offerings had to die. Now, I want to slip in a freebie here for you. This does not have anything to do with our subject in 1 Corinthians 15, Um, not on the subject of resurrection. But there are people today, there are many people today who say, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe what Genesis chapter 1 and 2 teach that everything was created from nothing in a six-day, literal, a six-literal-day period of creation. And some say that is not an essential doctrine that you believe that the first three chapters of Genesis are literal history and that was the beginning of the universe and the beginning of mankind. There are a lot of people today, it's kind of popular to say, that God could have used evolution, that Genesis 1 through 11 is not history, it's a mythical representation or a poetical description of the the overall summary of the process that God used, and uh, the days there in Genesis 1 aren't really days. Well, I want to comment about that. If that's true, Romans isn't. Romans is false. This passage is absolutely dead wrong if there was millions of years of death before Adam. Millions or billions of years before of death before Adam is 100% antithetical and completely contradictory to the book of Romans. 
also contradictory to, uh, to Jesus. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.